0: good morning, everybody. Hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I had to actually um, identify three people during first service that would, you know, just jump in and talk back to me because I need some people to speak back to me from time to time. So I don't think I'm going to have that problem this service, and I won't have to identify anybody. But if I do, I will call you out by name, just like Pastor Norm was saying. It, It happens. I am super thankful, grateful to be here with you all this morning. My family and I, my wife and our two kids just got back from San Antonio on vacation. We were there with my folks and my sister and her kids. It was a whole, like, roseworm posse um, party time or something like that. We were there for a week. We went to Six Flags. We went to Schlitterbahn, which maybe was a little bit better than Six Flags, but don't tell anybody that, about that commercial. And, um, and then the last day we were there, we spent some time just walking around the river and hanging out, and we went over to the Alamo and we all, each one of us, my wife, my son, my daughter had an incredible time. In fact, i got a picture of our time together. You can see how much fun we're all having. <laughs> yeah, she's not very happy in that one. Um, that's Isabella, she's four. And uh, if it, this is like one of those long pictures on your cell phone. You know, when you take it, instead of sideways, take it up and down. So you can't see it, but below my wife's feet there on the right is her has her blankie, she's throwing it on the ground, and she is mad, she's mad in this picture, she, uh, I thought the Alamo was awesome, she didn't like it, but that's one of the fun things about being a parent sometimes, we, what we say goes, you know, we just get to say, we're going the Alamo today, and if you don't like it, sorry, but we're going, so seriously though, um, we were gone last week, and some, some crazy stuff's been going on here, right, We've been uh, having some protests, and I mean, just Facebook was, Twitter, Instagram. I watch that stuff. I'm a youth pastor. It's um, going nuts with uh, with just all kinds of different people trying to come into this conversation about their um, what's important to them. And if you add that on top of what happened in Orlando and Dallas and what's going on with the political campaigns this year, and you then sprinkle on the top what's happening even today as we speak at the church down the street from my house. We live over by Douglas and Oliver, my wife and family and I do. And uh, their OSA, the group that Dennis was talking about last week, they're starting their festivities, if you will, at Grace Presbyterian Church, just, just a few houses away from my house Um, so you put all that together on one tray and it's heavy and I've been feeling it and I know we're a lot more alike than we are different and so I bet a lot of you've been feeling some of that weight too yeah yeah it's kind of sad actually that our world could create a situation where it would make us feel heavy You know like I, I like to think that I create most of the situations in my life that make me feel heavy you know and this one didn't come from me but it's weighty so I spent some time in prayer about it last week week before asking God what he wanted to say to me and what he wanted to say to us this morning about that and just about life and and everything in general and I couldn't help but think about a few things God just led me to ask this question. How do you see it? God, when you look down at everything that's happening, what do you see? How do you feel about it? How do you feel about us? Our action, maybe too much action, or our lack of action, or somewhere in the middle? How do you feel about me? And I couldn't get this thought out of my mind. This incredible peace washed over me. And I just started singing to myself, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You ever had one of those moments? (laughs) Yeah. For me, it happens like driving in the car, suddenly overwhelmed by his love and his grace, walking back from the mailbox to the house, suddenly overwhelmed, heard a bird chirp or felt a cool breeze or something, and it just happens. We are here to worship this morning a God that has an overwhelming love for each of us. And so I want to talk about that this morning, and we're going to dig into uh, Luke chapter 15. And I want to just go ahead and dive in there with you, uh, with me, if you will. Let's do that. Don't forget to talk back to me occasionally, or I might have to call you out. Um, and I just just real quick, before we go there, I just want you to try to keep in the back of your mind a few things. Who is God in this story, or in this parable, and who am I? Okay, just ask those two questions as we move through this process and I think we're going to see how overwhelming that love is so let's do that I'm going to start reading this. I'm going to start reading in 11 you got 12 up on the screen if you got your bible you passed you can start reading in 11 too and he said a man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me my share of the estate that falls to me and so he the father divided his wealth between them just time out real quick just let me have your attention real fast what would you do if your child came up to you and asked you for half of what you have? Uh No. <laughs> I mean, really? Like, if my son came up to me and asked me for half of what I had, I'd probably have a very stern conversation with him and then send him to his room for a few years, you know, or something. I mean, who's, who's in control here, the son or the father? The Father's in control, right? But see, this is one of God's graces to us. This is something that is almost unfathomable to me. Just think about this for a second. In his grace, he will let us exhaust ourselves. In his grace, he will give us half He'll give us what we don't deserve. He'll just give it to us because he loves us so much and he'll let us go off and go our own way. And for some of us, that's in wild living, which we're going to read about in a little bit. And for some of us, we'll go off our own way in righteous living. We'll go to Sunday school and we'll go to church and we'll do whatever. But either way we go, we go off our own way. And we don't follow his way. So let's, let's keep reading. Just... just blows my mind, and he divided his property. Seriously? Okay, let's go on. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. And so he went and hired himself out To one of the citizens of that country. And that citizen sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. Yet no one was giving anything to him. This is one of my favorite half a sentences in the whole Bible. I have a few of them. You may have heard me say that a few times. But if you're a student, you've probably heard me say that a lot of times. But this is really one of those favorites says but when he came to his senses those words are beautiful i know that i've had a handful of moments like that in my life when i came to my senses I I, i cannot forget those times i'm again i know we're a lot more alike than we are different and so i know that many of you have had moments like that and they're wonderful For me, I was looking in a mirror and I realized suddenly in one moment that I'd been living a lie. I'd been believing a lie my entire life that having more of what I already had would make me happy or doing more of what I already thought I wanted to do would make me happy. And the whole time, the only thing that would bring joy into my heart was turning my eyes to Jesus. Yeah. And I came to my senses. And the son in the story comes to his senses. And he says, this is verse 17, if you're following along in your Bibles. How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. I like this part of the story. Because I've had moments like this in my life. I imagine many of you have as well. You see, when I was a young person... There were quite a few times when I maybe just a few, I'll just a few that I was out doing something that I shouldn't have been doing, and I realized while I was out doing something that I shouldn't have been doing that my parents knew what I was doing, and I was busted. And so, so I'm out doing something I shouldn't be, and my parents know. And so, what do I do? I practice my speech. I get my story together. You know, so I could show up and impress them with some, like, I don't know what happened, Mom. I mean, I wanted to go to the Disney movie, and somehow we ended up at Steve's party, and I don't know how it happened, but it did, and I won't I won't hang out with Jimmy again. I promise, you know. Whatever I got, it, I'll, I'll ground me for a week and take away my car for three hours, and, you know, we'll be, will that be good? And I come up. I know you all have done this before, have you not? Put together some story or speech that you're planning on giving to your mom or your dad when you get home. And and the the whole time you're thinking, okay, what do I I need to do in advance to get back into their good graces? Because they're gonna be mad. Because I've done something wrong. So I like that part of the story. It kind of resonates with me. So he's practicing his speech and it says that he gets up and he goes to his father. You see, um, this moment, he comes to his senses. He realizes that he's sinned. He starts practicing his speech, which I think I've had a few better speeches than that one. It's not bad, but I've had a few better. And he gets up and he starts walking or riding or whatever to his dad. This is the moment when he acknowledges that he sinned. And that provides God, or the Father, with an opportunity to give him grace. But we're going to learn something today about that. Yes, when we acknowledge our sin, it does provide God with an opportunity to show us grace. And to show his love to us. But he doesn't need that. He doesn't need our acknowledgement. Sometimes he calls us in anyway. Anyway. let's keep going so he shows up he's 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 getting close he's coming around the bend if you will and while he was still a long way off we're in the middle of verse 20 his father saw him and felt compassion for him and so he ran to him and embraced him and the son said "Q speech father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight and i am no longer worthy to be called your son just goes nuts I mean it just everything you think about parenting everything you think about the way this world our legal system I mean anything everything that would look and sound normal changes right here so he runs to him gives the speech the son gives the speech to the father and the father says slaves or servants quickly bring out my best robe and my ring of authority, and kill the fattened calf. And we're gonna have a party because the son of mine that was dead is now alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. That is in absolute opposition to anything you would do as a parent, I'm guessing. Your child does something wrong, they come to you begging for your forgiveness. Do you just let them off scot free? Sometimes in the Bible, sometimes in God's word, friends, the most powerful theological messages aren't contained in what's said, but what is not said. And this is one of those moments. I want you to look very closely because the father does something incredible. He doesn't even acknowledge the son's speech. He doesn't say, that's all right, son. He doesn't say, oh, you're going to have to pay me back, but let's go party right now. He doesn't even acknowledge the speech. I mean, this, this is scandalous. This is like you didn't get dinner, or you didn't eat dinner, but you get dessert, right? That's like one of these moments. It's like you show up at home after doing everything you could imagine wrong and your parents saying, robe, ring, stake, music, let's celebrate. It's the opposite of what we would think would happen in this moment. Would you let let that just rest for a minute there? The father... Gives the son his robe, which is a symbol of the family and the father's cleanliness. So he covers up in that act the stench of the swine and the filth of his life he was living. He takes his ring and puts it back on the son's finger, giving him the authority of the family, giving the son identity again, overcoming. The offense. The father takes the weight of the offense on himself, removes it from the son, and takes it on himself. Is that amazing? Yes. No. Yes. Okay. I'm about to call some names. Hey now. Okay. So, so, so they start talking about let's kill the fattened calf, and let's celebrate. So let's talk about this celebration. Now, there let's be honest with each other. There are parties, and then there are parties, right? I mean, there are parties that we go to, and we're like, when is this thing gonna end? Like, seriously, right? And then there are parties that we go to, and we're having a good time. It's fun. Some of the parties we go to, we don't want to end. We would say go on. I want to talk about this party We're going to hear a a little blurb about the older brother here in just one second, but just ignore that for a second. We'll come back to that. So this is verse 25. It says, now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Just a quick question. When's the last time you heard dancing? I mean, we're talking about a big party here, right? I can understand hearing music, but dancing? I was talking to Pastor Norm about this the other day, and he said, I asked him that question, he said, I mean, the movie Footloose? You know, I don't know. Happy Feet? Yeah? Yeah, we watched that about six times in the car on the way home from San Antonio yesterday. (laughs) It's amazing how... Never mind. I'm just going to stop there. I'm just, just leave that one. Just leave it alone. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a party. I mean, this isn't just like uh, a celebration. This is an off-the-hook, epic, like crazy shindig. I mean, it's there, you can't even describe this thing. You've never been to a party this big. You've never been to a party this loud, and you've never been to a party this fun. And this is the way that the father celebrates when one of his children come home. (laughs) Is that overwhelming to you? It should be. I mean, this is amazing. This level of celebration is so big that the brother from a long ways off hears the dancing. Don't forget that one when you leave today. You know, you forget forget a lot of the other stuff, but that that one's important. So it says, so then the brother summoned one of the servants and began inquiring to what this could be. I'm not really sure why he didn't go and ask his dad. For some reason, he needed to talk to one of the servants. But the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in and his father came out and began pleading with him. I mean, if it wasn't enough already that the father comes running to the son who had defamed his name and squandered his possessions, this one is over the top. I mean, it's easy, right, to show grace to somebody with a humble heart. It's easy to want to rescue and save somebody that knows they need to be rescued and saved and they are responsive to your, you know, when your child comes to you and says, mom and dad, I'm, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's easy to forgive then, right? The father goes out to the angry, older son to entreat him. He, he leaves the party and goes out to the older brother You see, God doesn't need us to recognize that we're not living according to his plan to come to us. Because the older brother thinks he's got it down. He thinks he's living his life the right way. He believes, you know, I've been following my father's commands. I've been watching all my P's and Q's. I got this thing figured out. I know how to do this life thing. This part always breaks my heart, too. I kind of chuckle because it's me sometimes. He's like, he, he becomes he becomes angry and was not willing to go in. Like, how many of us have done that before? Like, got upset that there's like a, something, somebody got a treat for, yes. And we're like, I'm not even going to do that. You know, I see my kids, I see that happen between my kids all the time. And I did, I've done that stuff before, too. And it, I just, it, it, it breaks my heart because, Who's it hurting when we do that? Is it hurting the father or the younger brother? No. They're partying. (laughs) It's just hurting me. But God, the father comes out and he says, he says, come in, come into the party. I'll come... Come to your younger brother. I'm going to come to you. And the son answers and says, Look, for so many years I've been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours and yet you have never given me a young goat. It's this time out. What? A young goat? Like, if I'm the father in this story, I'm probably thinking like, you A boat? A, did you say goat? I mean, I can understand if you want a yacht, but a goat? Like, and I don't know why we do that, but when, we're, when we play this role in our lives, and we all, we're all a lot more alike than we are different, and so I know that we can play the prodigal son or the older brother from time to time. When we play this role, for some reason we feel the need to, since we're living our lives the way we believe is right, we feel the need to redefine the touchdown. I mean, God's got this big party going on with filet mignon, so loud you can hear the dancing, and the brother, older brother, wants a young goat to celebrate with his friends. Why, why do we do that? So, um, so that I might celebrate with my friends. Here we are, verse thirty. But when this son of yours came home, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father says to the son, "Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours." But we had to, not we need to, or I wanted to, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, was lost, and he has been found. You see, this is God's love described for us in one story. One parable that Jesus tells completely depicts everything that we can probably need to know about God's love. And I believe if we received his love the way it's described in this story, that it would have a pretty profound impact on what's going on in our world. I think that with that love of Christ living inside of us, With this magnitude that we've been talking about this morning, it would change the way that we love others. See, God's not just teaching us about how much He loves us in this parable, He's also inviting us to show others this kind of love, too. This is what He does, He lets us choose. Even though we ask for what we haven't earned and walk away from him, he chooses. Even though we squander away his gifts and treasures, he still invests in us. And he is waiting for us at the top of the hill, just scanning the horizon constantly, waiting for us to come back home. And when he sees us, he comes running to us. He doesn't wait for us to approach and then chastise us for our bad decisions. He embraces us as his children. He doesn't even listen to our speeches. He doesn't even begin to entertain the idea that we can pay him back for the wrongs that we've done. And he throws us the biggest party you could imagine. want to process that for a second together. This is very important that we fully understand how deep his love is. How powerful his grace is. You see, when I was a teenager, I acted a lot like the prodigal son. I acted that way to God, to my family, and to myself. I shared a little bit about that earlier. But thankfully, God called me back. And when I made the slightest turn in direction, he came running to me and grabbed a hold of my hand and dragged me along for a while because I needed it. He didn't let my bad decisions derail his plans for my life. He let me choose. He continued to invest in me. He came running to me. And he celebrated me when I came back. And it felt incredible. And it still feels incredible. And it still overwhelms me sometimes when I'm driving in my car or walking back from the mailbox or whatever, whenever it might be that he loves me that much. Not bad. What was that? Anybody know? Who? Bublé? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Good. Good, good. I wonder what our world would look like if we received God's love the way he's giving it and if we offered it to others the way he's giving it. I know we've all had moments in our lives when we've been more like the prodigal son, or the older brother. But it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how we've lived. God still wants to draw us back to himself. And he wants to do that today. Now, maybe, maybe you have a, a long list of things that you just can't let go, that still hurt you inside, that you've done these things. Maybe there's maybe there's a long list. Maybe there's one or two things that are just you think are really bad. That God could never really love you like this because you've done these two things. And I just want to talk about that for a second. Anybody know uh, have heard of King David before? King, yes, I'm guessing King David got his nickname from God himself. It wasn't like David was standing there one day in his court talking to one of his aides and was like, I think I'll give myself a new nickname. And his aide was like, oh yes, King David, what will your new nickname be? And David was like, man after God's own heart. No, God called David a man after his own heart. The same David that slept with another man's wife and had her husband murdered. I'm guessing that out you. Yeah, I mean, like you might have a good list, but I'm guessing that one, like David, like you, I've done this and David would be like, shh, get that weak stuff out of here. Go kill a man and then come back and talk to me about it. <laughs> That's how much God loves us. That it doesn't matter what we've done. If we've lived our lives as the prodigal or if we've thought we had it all figured out. We still have this gnawing inside of our spirit that something just ain't right. Ecclesiastes tells us that in chapter three, that our souls long to be at peace with God like it was when he first created it before it was messed up. All of our souls do. It's a power power, the, the peace that I think holds the whole gospel together is that Christ shows us this kind of love and grace no matter what we've done. Not because of us, but because he is so loving in and of himself that it literally just overflows out of him. (laughs) So I have a, a question for you today. The son, the younger son in the parable, he came home and the father celebrated him. Now, maybe you've come home. Maybe you've turned your eyes to the Father. Maybe you've, maybe you've even started to do things to live your life for him. But have you let him celebrate you yet? That celebration is waiting for you this morning, right now. He wants to party you up because he loves you. Or have you been here for a while living this Christian life, doing this thing, getting extra righteous and still never stepped into the celebration? He wants to celebrate you too. ask you to do something for me right now will you please bow your heads and close your eyes now if, if you've been the, the prodigal and you've never come to the celebration you've never enjoyed the party that he's throwing for you will you raise your hand right now If you're the older brother, if you identify with the older brother and you know that you need to drop that and step into the celebration and just be with God, will you raise your hand right now? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm gonna gonna ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If, If that was you, that raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to come and join the celebration right here at the altar after we get done praying and we start singing. If you raise your hand, don't hesitate. Don't let this moment go. Let today be that marker in your life that marks the changing day, and from this day forward, everything is different. But Come forward And let's celebrate together. Father, we praise you for being a father that celebrates his children. We praise you for being a father that looks for us when we're lost. And when you see us, you come running to us. Father, we thank you for being a father that even comes to us when we think we're doing it right. I thank you for being a father that loves us so much that your love can overcome the divisiveness in this world, can lay to rest the challenges that we face and can bring us all together. already started that's so loud